For decades, America has struggled to combat the harms of drug use, but the harms have increased and the fight is endless because we've been wrong. What if we changed our drug policies to actually decrease the harms of drug use and increase thriving for all of us? Our criminal approach to drugs had a beginning and it will have an end. Join us on the journey to end it for good. Welcome to the End It For Good podcast. I'm Christina Dent, along with Mike Madison, my co-host and producer. If you're new to the podcast, you may have a lingering sense that even if this all sounds right, surely there must be good reasons we prohibited drugs in the first place. Studies, research that our leaders looked at to determine how to best handle these substances. And if you, like me, believe that's how drug prohibition began, I would encourage you to listen to episodes six, seven, and eight of this podcast. It's a three-part series with Johan Hari, the author of the book Chasing the Scream, which is one of our favorite books here at End It For Good. Um, his book details the people who began drug prohibition and why they did it. Um, a lot of them kept writings, journals, and things like that that he went and did research in as well as the fallout from drug prohibition and options for reform. So those are great episodes. Johan did meticulous research into this, and it's a fascinating um, and really surprising story. So today I want to address a question that was asked at one of our um, events. Uh, So we host in-person events as well as do this podcast, as well as I do speaking engagements. Um, We do lots of different things to invite people into this conversation. Um, But I always am wanting to know what are the questions on people's minds. So this one was a little bit different. Um, But somebody asked, um, as a Christian, how can I have conversations with people about this issue? And that's an important thing. I think a lot of people, um, so I'm a Christian, so I'll be speaking from that perspective. Um, and two people who are Christians, and if you are not, that's completely fine. Um, but there is a, a sense for many Christians that this is kind of a taboo issue. Um, you know, I don't want to seem like I'm promoting drug use. And for those of us who grew up over the last couple decades, I was born in the 80s. Um, you know, there was a, a great sense that kind of the political climate of drug prohibition and the drug war is part of how we think about the best way to live out our faith. And so it's a really intertwined issue between politics and faith for a lot of people, depending on the um, tradition that you're coming out of. And so I think that's where this um, question is stemming from is, you know, how do I have these conversations through the lens and the worldview of someone who is a Christian? So I am no theologian. Uh, These are just my thoughts from my perspective and my experience as a Christian, changing my mind and trying to invite other people into the conversation to change their minds as well. Um, The first thing I would say is to be invitational and gracious. Uh, In the Bible, there's a verse in the book of Proverbs that says, the right word at the right time is like precious gold set in silver. And I think about that with this work and talking on this issue. Um, it does not help anyone to be um, uh, ugly, disrespectful, shaming. Um, in fact, those are the very things that the drug war does to people that we want to stop. So for us to replicate the kind of treatment that we want ended towards people who use drugs and use that kind of treatment towards people who disagree with us, I think is incredibly harmful, um, not to mention hypocritical too, but (laughs) it's just harmful and it does not move people forward. 
Um, author Adam Hammes uh, has one of my favorite quotes. It's kind of like a guiding quote for me. He says, facts delivered poorly are facts to very few people. Um, that's absolutely true. If people cannot hear you, it does not matter how right you are. Um, and I always think uh, that we don't just want to be right. We want to change the world. And so um, we have to give up on being right in exchange for progress. That's another Adam Hammes quote. Um, and I'm absolutely convinced that people who want to start a dialogue have to be the first ones to be vulnerable. So if you're listening and you want to move this forward, um, I'm talking to you and me. We have to be vulnerable if we want other people to join us in that. So if you're asking someone to change their mind, you are asking them to do something very vulnerable. And you can't be shaking your fist in someone's face, even metaphorically, and expect them to open themselves up and consider whether or not they've been wrong about drug prohibition. I just am convinced that is not how the human psyche works. Um, we have to feel safe to be vulnerable and to change our minds requires vulnerability. So be invitational and be kind. That's the first thing I would say. The second is to help people create buckets in their mind for things that we disagree with and things we make illegal. These are two separate buckets. We all already have these buckets, but we need to help people realize that they are separate buckets. A lot of them just have never really thought about that before. Um, so something might go in both of those buckets of things we disagree with and things we make illegal, but there's a lot of things that don't belong in both of those buckets. We don't make stupid things illegal. We don't even make a lot of bad things illegal, things that are harmful for you. And for Christians, what we would call sin, things against God's law, we would say not even all of those should be illegal. That's a, that's a separate thing from what we actually make illegal. None of us want um, all sin to be illegal. We would all be in jail if that were the case. Uh, so we need to be really careful about our use of the government criminalizing something to fix issues that it simply is not built to fix or cannot fix or is just a, an inappropriate use of that to try to fix um, or to even address in any kind of appropriate or helpful way. So it's helpful to note here that our drug laws are arbitrary. If we were prohibiting drugs based on the potential for societal harm, alcohol would be first on the list. So if we were banning things that did the most harm to people around you, not just you personally, around you, again, alcohol would be on the top of the substances list. There would also be things in there like adultery. It harms everyone. It doesn't just harm the person who's um, committing adultery and the person that they're committing it with. It harms the families of those people. You, you can't, um, you you know, you can go home and drink a beer and it, it, it affects you. Um, but you can't do that with other things. So we're not talking about, um, you know, our drug laws have not prohibited the substances that do the most harm to the individual or to society. Um, they're very arbitrary. If you look at a graph that actually maps out the harms of substances and how we have handled them legally, the graph looks like a web. It, it does, it's, it's not a one-to-one -one correlation of highest harm to highest prohibition down to lowest harm, lowest prohibition. It looks nothing like that. Um, so we don't do that. So we already have categories in our minds for potentially harmful substances that aren't illegal. 
And most of us just have not recognized that other drugs belong in that category too. Alcohol, tobacco are in that category. Um, other substances need to be as well. And especially for Christians who've often gotten strong messages from our faith communities against drug use um, other than alcohol. For some of us, that would include alcohol, but for many um, not. Alcohol has been destigmatized, um, but not other drugs. It's helpful to clarify that there are lots of things that we think are bad that might even be wrong that we simply do not lock people up for. So saying drugs are bad is just it it does not mean that we should put people in jail for them or that we should criminalize the drugs themselves. So we don't use that theory on other things. So it we can't just automatically use it here, which is what oftentimes we do. The third thing I would say is, um, this is kind of off of a question that somebody asked me on Facebook, which is, you know, if you're if you're saying that we should legalize drugs, like, I mean, isn't the next issue just like abortion? Like, isn't it giving up on on all moral things if we do this? Um, drug use and abortion are radically different issues. Whether or not you think abortion should be legal or not, I just want to clarify the kinds of issues these two things are, are very different. And one, we are talking about um, people and a person's life. In the other, we're talking about a substance and their ability to ingest it in their own body. These are radically different substances or different issues. But for a lot of us, um, for me, I'll speak for myself, and maybe other people will um, recognize their experience in that. I think Drugs and abortion um, politically have been put in the same bucket in our mind. So if you're conservative, um, I think in in my mind growing up in a um, politically conservative culture um, and Christian culture, I kind of thought of those two things in the same bucket. They're both moral issues and they're both non-negotiable issues for which side I fall on. Um, and it was only as an adult and beginning to learn about drug prohibition that I realized, no, wait a second, these are very different issues. Um, and actually, I think on on the moral side, I'm I'm now convinced my my conscience will not allow me um, to support the drug or anymore uh, on moral grounds. That I just think the harm that is being done from it is is against my conscience. Um, so that's the the third thing is that um, these are different types of um, issues, and so we need to separate them from the other issues that we maybe have been taught, or maybe the, our political environment has taught us they're the same issue when they're not. The fourth thing would be to don't bring up any spiritual convictions about it um, that you have until you and the person you're talking to have a shared experience or knowledge to talk about. So you can watch um, a TED Talk together, read a book together, read an article, and then discuss that thing and how it relates to your faith. To your faith. Um, I personally think it is a terrible idea to just strike up a conversation at lunch with someone one day and say, so I think legalizing drugs is the Christian thing to you to do. What do you think? Um, if you do that, chances are you will be talking from two entirely different frameworks. Your discussion will not be productive. It probably will be counterproductive um, and an epic, epic disaster. <laughs> so I would not encourage you to do that. You need some some shared something that you're talking about to then be able to say, okay, you know, we we both read this article about 
prescription crackdowns causing more overdose deaths. Now we can talk about how what was presented in that article um, interacts with our faith. Another thing I would say is that this is not an issue that's central to the Christian gospel or um, beliefs about how people are made right with God, how we have a relationship with him um, in, in the um, in Christianity, that would that would be how we are saved. Uh, so as much as I want people to see the harm in criminalizing substances, and as much as I want them to see the connection between legalization and what I see as the best expression of loving our neighbor as ourselves, we can disagree on how to best do that, and we can still both be Christians. So this isn't an issue where um, I think it it is, uh, you know, non-negotiable. Um, I see it through a very specific lens now. I want more people to to zoom out and see the harm that's happening and wrestle with, is that consistent with their Christian faith? Um, but we can disagree on that and both still be Christians and we can both still be in the family of God um, and we can disagree. This is not a central issue to Christianity. Um, and the last thing is uh, that I would encourage people not to wait for their church to start talking about ending the drug war, for them to start talking about it. Um, sometimes I think we can do that. We we think that our we'll follow the lead of our church. Um, now, I absolutely hope that churches begin talking more about substance use, about addiction, about recovery, about how um, Christians and the church can engage and provide uh, a place of welcome and community for people struggling with those things. But I don't want the church to be a political arm. And at the end of the day, ending the drug war will require some specific changes to law. Um, And politics is heavily influenced by money and power. And the church getting interwoven into that has not gone well in the past. Um, So there are people at my own church who love the work that I do and totally support it. And there are people who disagree with my work and don't support it at all. And that's okay. I would never want my church to say that people must agree with what I'm doing. Um, for me, I think of that as that's binding someone's conscience on something that I think Christians can disagree on, and we don't have to come to the same conclusions. Um, but at the same time, I'm going to keep trying to win those people over <laughs> with respect and invitations and uh, learning and engagement. Um, obviously, we all believe what we believe because we think it's right. And so that's that's true for me. It's also true for the people who disagree with me. Um, and the best way, I think, to to continue that conversation with them is to approach them with the same respect that I want them to approach me with. So at the end of the day, my advice for helping people engage is the same no matter what you believe. People first need to understand the issue and they understand need to understand why we have all of the drug harms that we do. And then they can have a conversation around a response that's consistent with their deepest values. Um, One of the really encouraging things in the early days of End It For Good is we did a um, discussion that a young woman came to, and she sent me an email um, weeks afterwards. This is probably six or eight weeks after the event. And she said, hey, I just wanted you to know how much Um, reading the book, Chasing the Scream, and coming to the event that you hosted um, where people came and discussed it and discussed ending the drug war has impacted me. She said, I I recently met um, another young woman who had struggled with addiction for a number of years. And she said, "I I would have had no framework from which to begin a relationship with her and to begin to understand um, 
the deeper parts of that addiction and how to best help her and provide friendship and community for her if I hadn't been part of the event that you did. And, you know, I've now been able to invite her to a Bible study that I'm part of. And, um, you know, we've just continued uh, a friendship and been able to um, to grow that. And I think that's um, that for me is a wonderful thing. So, you know, whether or not she attends a Bible study for me, that's um, that's a uh, that's a secondary thing to, you know, is she finding um, acceptance and love and friendship and connection. And as we can help more people um, understand addiction better, we can help more people um, have a better framework for when they meet people who are struggling with it, that they don't feel so isolated and that they can draw them into friendship and community. That does not mean it's easy. It doesn't mean you don't need to have some good um, parameters around a relationship of a person is still in active addiction. Certainly you do. Um, but I think, uh, especially for me as a Christian, my highest allegiance is to Christ. It is to God. It is not to, um, a government structure or, um, a way of thinking about a substance. Um, and so I hope that more and more we can move into what does, what does the Bible say first about how we respond to our neighbors? Um, and then how does my political leanings or, you know, what I think the government should be involved in, um, you know, come to bear on that. And I can believe a lot of things spiritually that I don't want the government, you know, enforcing on other people. Um, and so I, I hope that we can continue to move in in that direction. Uh, so my journey and research has convinced me that legalization is the best expression of my values as someone who is um, politically conservative and uh, evangelical Christian. The best way for me to engage more people in those camps, in dialogue, is not through confrontation, but through invitation. And I would invite you to do the same. So how do we end our criminal approach to drugs? By changing one mind at a time. Many people are only willing to have this conversation when they are invited to by someone they trust. That's you. Invite your friends, family, and people in your circle of influence to consider a better way. At End It For Good, our hope is that people who hear will become people who tell. Join the movement to end it for good.